0: Unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. Welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today?
1: Nathan, I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm doing fantastic, and I'm excited about this week's episode because it's about one of my favorite aspects of copywriting, and an aspect of copywriting that doesn't get discussed nearly enough, so I'm going to, I'm going to really enjoy this week's episode, I already know.
1: Yeah, and I definitely want to hear what you have to say on some of these things, because it's, it's a process, and like you say, it, it doesn't get discussed enough, but we're going to fix that in a small way today.
0: Nice. All right. So, what do we got lined up for the listeners this week?
1: Okay. A big question. Maybe the big question that copywriters always ask themselves when they sit down to write is where do I start? Uh, of course, you've already got to know a few things. You got to know your product and your benefits, and you need to put together the best offer possible. You may need an origin story for the product, knowing the price and the guarantee are important. But all of this is for naught if you don't have a deep and thorough understanding of your prospect. Because if you're selling to the wrong person, or if you're selling to nobody in particular, your copy is not very likely to work. Now, I came across eight killer questions, not for copywriting, but for writing screenplays, from this excellent new book, The Protagonist's Journey by successful screenwriter and college professor, Scott Myers. The questions on his list are for getting to know the hero of the film you're planning to write Hmm. today though, we're going to look at how we can tweak these questions just a little to create a very powerful tool for anyone who writes copy and that would be a real tool if I didn't remind you copy is powerful you're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write. And before you start using your copy, my larger clients do this all the time. Now, <clears throat> the eight question now, <clears throat> excuse me. now the eight questions I'm about to read to you in a couple minutes are perfect for starting a screenplay. And it's good to see these questions right at the start so we can look at the origin of what we're going to do today. For the screenwriter, the eight answers you get from Scott Meyer's list will act like a gyroscope and a therapist in getting to know your main character deeply, and you can use all that understanding to develop your screenplay. In Hollywood, there's a phrase screenwriters use called breaking story. And the phrase is a lot less like breaking news and a lot more like breaking a horse. That is getting the story under better control at the outset. Hollywood always seems to love cowboy analogies. So just like with a screenplay, a copy project can seem completely out of control when you start too. And in the same way, the same questions when converted for copywriting will help you get to know your prospect very specifically and in important ways. Now, here are the three most important reasons these questions are so valuable. And hear me out on this, because... This is where people really screw up by just glossing over getting to know the prospect. The three reasons are, one, they get you out of your client's head and into your prospect's head where the sale is actually made, or if you're writing for yourself, out of your own head and into your prospect's head where the sale is actually made. Two, these questions force you to zero in on the most important parts of your copy that are easy to overlook. And because it's easy to overlook than most people do, now you don't have to. And three, these questions unearth and explore the many facets of emotional motivation in your prospect, the secret ingredient missing from so many sales letters, and the one thing that propels conversions into the stratosphere. So when we get to these questions, I'm gonna give you a couple of different ways to use them, a long way and a short way. The long way, which will work for some people and not work for others of you, the long way is to go through the questions methodically and write out the answers and research and think deeply about the questions you can't already answer. That's not gonna work for everyone all the time. So there's a much faster way you can still benefit from these questions, and that's this. Just use these questions as a quick checklist before you write. To make sure you have the questions answered in your own mind or in your pre-work and fill in quickly wherever you come up short so however you use them these are valuable questions and let's start at the beginning and then we'll look at the converted questions for copywriting first here are the original screenwriter questions from the Protagonist's journey by scott myers one who's the protagonist two what does the protagonist want three what does the protagonist need? Four. What is the eventual resolution of the protagonist want and need? Five. What is at stake for the protagonist? Six. Who or what opposes the protagonist? Seven. What does the protagonist fear the most? And eight. Why does this story have to happen to this protagonist at this time? That was the screenwriter list of questions. Great list. Now. Let's go through the same questions one by one, but each one reworked for copywriting, specifically for writing a sales letter or a VSL. And this would also work for email or YouTube ads or Facebook ads or TikTok ads or Google ads, but especially for long-form copy. Number one, who is the prospect? And remember, it's one prospect. The more focused you are on one person, even especially a real person you know who represents your prospects, the more authentic and convincing your copy will be. When you try to sell to more than one group of prospects, it's like standing on two boats at the same time. They may move perfectly for the same direction for a while, but eventually they'll head off into different directions, and you're going to have to do a plie. Didn't think I knew any ballet words, did you, Nathan? You're (laughs) going to have to choose fast if you don't want to end up in the water. So save yourself the panic and choose early. The more you know about your prospect, the better. In fact, you should aim to get past knowing about your prospect and actually know your prospect like they're a real person because, you know, in fact, they all are. Now, you might do this quickly. Let's say, my prospect is a mom, 35 to 40, like my friend Gidget. But if you're going to dive down in depth, you might want to talk about Gidget's life, what she likes, what bothers her, what she's frustrated about, what she wants for her kids, what her kids do that annoys her, what her goals are, what stands in the way of her goals. Great copywriters often find out much more about their prospect than they can actually use directly in their copy. But taking a deep dive gives them a chance to feel like they really know the person. And when you do that, the copy you write will click much better with actual prospects who read it. So, Nathan, how do you get to know your prospect as a person?
0: There's a couple of different ways. If, I have, if I've got a client and they have a prospect or a client list interviewing some of their favorite repeat buyers is a great way. Also, a lot of times just going through reviews, if One of my clients sells something on Amazon, or if they have a WooCommerce store and there's reviews there, that's another great way is just to kind of get how the prospect, the potential buyers, how they're thinking, what words they're using, the way that they feel about things. So that's usually my two favorite ways is going through reviews and actually interviewing the people that agree to be interviewed.
1: Yeah. So it's obvious you think this is a very important step, right?
0: I I think this is one of the steps that is the easiest to skim past or overlook because uh, it's just not very much fun, but it's probably one of the most leverageable things that you can do in your sales copy.
1: Yeah, I agree. All right, let's go to number two. What does the prospect want? An important point, people buy what they want, not what they need. And certainly not what you think they should buy if they don't want it or if you can't get them to align it with something they already want or can easily be convinced to want. So thinking about and figuring out what your prospect wants will help you home in on your best headline, lead, and offer. It may even show you a pathway to renaming your product. I did that for a client recently during a critique. We realized what he called the product had nothing to do with the result it provided that the prospect wanted. Mm -hmm. So we changed that. We get to what your prospect needs in the next question. So this is not about what your prospect needs, but it's important to get crystal clear on what they, how what they want could be related to what your product will do for them. And as far as the prospect is concerned, you should zero in on the end goal as far as that want is concerned. Zero in on the end goal, the transformation that occurs the new life your prospect, your product can give your prospect. So let's say your prospect is a guy who's not in shape and he wants to get ripped. That's what he wants. Now, you may have a product that will help him get there easier, faster, better, or however it does what it does. But that's not what he wants. He doesn't want the product. What he wants is to get ripped. Remember that. Not your product itself, but what your product will do for him. Any thoughts, Nathan, on What prospects want?
0: This is only tangentially related, but I know for myself, if I've got $500 and I need something, but I also want something, unless it's a need that I can no longer ignore, I'm going to spend that $500 on something that I want. Once the need is so bad that I can't ignore it, then what I want goes out the door. But nine times out of 10, what I want is the thing that grabs my money over what I need.
1: Okay. If you're unclear on the difference between want and need rewind the podcast about a minute three or four times and listen to what nathan said because he's not the only one (laughs) most people are like that okay he's just more aware of it more self-aware of it than most people all right thank you for that i appreciate it number three what does the prospect need this is worth knowing not usually to sell what they need although there are some exceptions Like when they absolutely know what they need, maybe there's kind of an emergency or can't put it off and you're selling it. And perhaps you're selling it with something that makes it more attractive than the competition. But even if you can't sell them directly on what they need, it's worth knowing what it is. Why? For one reason, if you can sell them what they want plus what they need, you'll have a customer for life, maybe an enthusiastic endorser too a testimonial giver, or an affiliate. Now, let's say your prospect wants to be ripped so he has these huge, well-defined muscles he can show off at the beach. Maybe what he needs is to develop better eating and exercise habits. Going deeper, maybe what he really needs is to take responsibility for his own health. He may never know this in the sales letter. You may never talk to your prospect about that but maybe think about this a mentor or a trainer or a dream he has tells him these things on his journey to getting ripped and he has this huge realization or maybe his awareness comes in another way but you can see how different the need can be from the want and why it's important for you as a writer to be clear on both of them and to see what makes up the difference have you ever had an experience where your client is trying to push what he thinks the prospect needs and you are gradually able to turn him around to sell them what that prospect wants?
0: I think we all have. I have a personal story. When I was a kid, I was like six years old and I had pneumonia and they gave me a prescription drug that just tasted awful and I my mom couldn't get me to take it, but I needed to take it. So what she did is she would pop open the gel tabs and she would mix in the medicine with applesauce. And I, she sold me the applesauce because I wanted the applesauce, but she delivered what I need. And so I always think of it that way. What's the applesauce and what's the medicine? What am I, what am I selling the applesauce, but what am I really delivering the medicine? And that's, that's kind of how I think of this whole.
1: That's awesome. That's so perfect. And I had pneumonia much later in life, so we could rename this the Post-Pneumonia Podcast, <laughs> but let's not. Let's not. Uh, no, that's, that, that's a good story. Hey, let me ask you something. How would you like a complete copywriting course packed into a $10 Kindle book? Yeah? Then let me invite you to try Breakthrough Copywriting. It's only $10, and it's available now on Amazon as a Kindle. Breakthrough Copywriting was originally a $5,000 live seminar I held in Las Vegas. People flew in from all over the world to attend Breakthrough Copywriting. This Kindle book by the same name is a complete version of my four presentations at the seminar. If you would like to dig into copywriting basics or refresh the knowledge you already have, then you'll really like Breakthrough Copywriting. A-listers like John Carlton, Joe Sugarman, and Bob Bly give this book an A+. And you can read the reviews right on the Amazon site. This episode of the Copywriter's Podcast is sponsored by Breakthrough Copywriting. Check this book out at Amazon.com today. And now, back to the Copywriter's Podcast program, already in progress. All right, number four question. What is the eventual resolution of the prospect's want and need? And listen, you craven capitalist mercenaries, the eventual resolution is not buying the product. That's what you want to have happen, but the eventual resolution is what happens to and what changes for the prospect after they buy and use the product, okay? Mm -hmm. Big distinction. So you've really got to get into your prospect's skin and see the world through their eyes For this one. Basically, the question to ask is what does life look, sound, and feel like once the problem is fixed? The problem is what your product is going to fix. You've got to use your imagination on this one, and it may take some time thinking about it, but man, is it worth it. Okay, again, this is the transformation. Major point to be clear on. People have started using that word a lot in copy and marketing lately. And it's important because Einstein say if nothing happens, nothing changes. I don't know if, if you don't sell them on their product, they're not going to change. So, and if you can't promise a change, they may not want to buy it. You have any thoughts on transformations or resolutions or
0: just understanding what's the new way of being that the person wants and knowing that that's what your promise is. Your life is this way right now, but on the other side, your life can be this way and that's what you're ultimately selling.
1: Yeah. Perfectly stated. So number five, what is at stake for the prospect in a movie? You want the stakes to be high it increases the suspense and makes the viewers root for the hero since success is anything but a sure thing. When the odds are against your hero, you can look at the prospect. The prospect is the hero of your copy. Now, I've heard it on good authority that with branding, you want your product to be the hero of your brand story. And that's fine for branding, but not for copy. In copy, make your prospect the hero. There are stakes in your prospect's life. If they don't solve the problem that your product can help them solve, there will be consequences. They may miss out on something important. Or worse, it could be a health issue. Whatever the stakes are, you'll be in a much better position if you can identify what those stakes are. Whether you spell them out in your copy or not is another question. Maybe you will and maybe you won't. But simply knowing the stakes gives you a better shot at success. Nathan, do you ever look at stakes when you're writing a sales letter?
0: Absolutely. And one of our mutual friends, Ben Settle, one time I was talking with him and he told me, not only do you need to know what the stakes are, you need to know how to rub salt in those wounds. Ooh.
1: And as cruel as that sounds, Ben is absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And I agree with him 101%. So I just went over the line myself. The, the mathematical line of up. Okay. So number 6. Who or what opposes the prospect from getting what they want to need? Mm-hmm. So in a movie what opposes the hero makes up the obstacles they face on the way to the end of their journey. Now, it would be obvious to say that in copy that what opposes the sale is what makes up the objections your prospects have. And that's correct. But remember, there are two kinds. First, the kind you normally think of as objections, a prospect's internal reasons for not buying. But there are also external forces particularly what a partner or a family member might think or in some cases even allow and then there's the whole social world what will people at the mahjong game think what will people at the club think what will people at the greenpeace rally think Mm -hmm. so getting a handle on all of those things gives you powerful knowledge and context You can use to craft your sales argument. Nathan, you've talked about this before on the podcast, what this or that person in the prospect's life might say. Any favorite ways of going about this?
0: Uh, I'm just going to divert a little bit, actually, for this particular question, who or what opposes the prospect. I also like to think of a way to relieve them of self-blame a lot of times if someone's trying to deal with a problem but they're blaming themselves for it that's like a roadblock and instead of saying hey you're fat because you lack self-control or hey you're single because you just refuse to brush your teeth and shower properly if you give them an outside force to blame you're fat because the corn industry and the sugar industry have taken over and lobbied and now control the FDA or the reason That girls don't like you is because you've been brainwashed by the media to think that girls like this, but girls actually like this. If you give them somebody else to blame, that relieves them of that. This is my fault. I suck. I can't do it. Now, all of a sudden, actually, it's somebody else's fault. And now that you know who the real culprit is, I'm going to help you throw rocks at that enemy and I'm going to help you overcome that enemy. And that moves them from the mindset of there's no hope for me to the mindset of, oh, I figured out what the real problem is. And this person, this offer can help me get what I want. So that's a very powerful thing to know who or what opposes the prospect.
1: Yeah, I really like that. I hadn't even thought of that. It's almost a a third kind of opposition and really valuable. So Mm -hmm. thanks. Okay, seven. What does the prospect fear the most? What does the prospect fear the most? And this is powerful but tricky. You really need to set aside your goal, your mission, your product. Set them aside in your mind to work this question profitably. Let me give you an example. Nathan, can you smell my breath?
0: Yeah, I've got that new digital technology virtual aroma, I think is what it's called. (laughs)
1: Damn, I'm going to have to deviate from the script now. Yes, I thought you had that even though we're 1,184 miles away. Um, (laughs) Digital. No, No, you you actually couldn't?
0: I don't. You know, that technology is not made available for consumers yet, so I was not actually able to smell your breath.
1: (laughs) All right, so I'll go back to the script now. I didn't think you could because we're 1,184 miles away and smells don't travel over the Internet except with this new technology which only exists between your ears not least at yet. So this is why I ask. Sometimes what your prospect fears has nothing to do or so it seems with your product. For example, take toothpaste, cleans teeth and makes them whiter. But are dingy teeth what prospects fear most? How about being avoided or rejected by someone of the opposite sex? Well, if your prospect has really bad breath, that's a real possibility. Okay, so Dr. Harold Katz, a Beverly Hills dentist, knew this firsthand. You know how he knew it? He, he had to smell the breath of all his patients. And he has my sympathies. But I don't feel too sorry for him because in 1993, he formed a company called TheraBreath, which makes a mouthwash toothpaste, as well as mouthwash. Last year, a New York stock exchange company acquired TheraBreath for $580 million in cash. So don't go overboard with this. It does not prove without exception that customer fears all the end all and be all in your copy, but it does show that knowing what they are can help you fine tune and realign your sales pitch and be very profitable. Do you think about prospects fears yourself?
0: I do. And I also know that from interviewing clients and interviewing prospects, this is one of the hardest questions to get an honest answer for. Number one, people don't want to be vulnerable and expose what their fears are. And number two, a lot of times... When you're writing for a client, they have no idea what the answer is. So this one, as powerful as it is, it's one of those ones that really takes some digging, really takes some investigating, because it's not an easy answer to get to.
1: Right. But once you know, it's well worth the effort and the time, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, good. Thank you. So last one, number eight, why does this prospect need to have this product at this time? If you are totally sold on what you're selling, you might say, well, that's a stupid question, followed by something like, everybody needs this product all the time. And isn't it obvious that people need this product right away? Well, here's some hard truths. With very few exceptions, there's nothing that everybody needs all the time. Nothing that most of us sell in copy anyway. And the second hard truth is, if it were that obvious, then what would we even need advertising for? So There are probably a lot of reasons people should get your product, and you need to go over all of them and pick the best one or ones for your copy. The best ones would be the most convincing ones in the context of everything else you're writing. Creating urgency is important, but that's different. This is about getting a clear fix on the passage of time in your prospect's life, events that are likely or all but certain in the future, business, or social conditions that make now the best time to get your product. These are important things to consider and getting a fix on them can increase your conversions. Nathan, have you ever even considered this question? Why does this prospect need to have this product at this time?
0: Yeah, I think of it like an avocado. You buy an avocado right before it's ripened and it's got a day of ripening and then it's got like 30 minutes of that zone where it's perfect and then it goes to over-ripened. And the goal of copy a lot of times, specifically for this, is to get people in the mindset of that 30 minutes of ripening and figure out if they're not there yet, how do I get them there? And if they're almost past that point, how do I hold them there until they make a decision? It's, It's a skill that comes after a long time of writing copy, but it's important to understand they have... The money in their pocket, they could spend it on a a dozen other things, or they can just hold on to it. How do you get them in that ripe zone where they realize this is the point where I need to take action?
1: I've never heard that before, and it's excellent. But I, I have to say that you have revealed you may live in Colorado now, but only a California native would use an avocado as the metaphor for prospect readiness. So now we know where you come from. We already knew. Okay, let's go over the eight copy questions again, and we'll put them in the show notes as well. One, who is the prospect? Two, what does the prospect want? Three, what does the prospect need? Four, what is the eventual resolution of the prospect's want and need? Five, what is at stake for the prospect? Six, who or what opposes the prospect? Seven, what does the prospect fear the most? And eight, why does this prospect need to have this product at this time, the avocado question.
0: I want to add real quick before we're out of here, something to keep in mind as a copywriter. There's so much other stuff competing for people's attention right now. And Hollywood and screenwriters have a formula. They know how to grab someone's attention and keep their butt in the seat till the end of the movie and as a copywriter, we need to understand how to do that too. And that's why I think the real secret power behind this is, is that Hollywood and storytellers have for years been crafting the perfect way to convey a message that keeps people invested. And if you're trying to sell something, you need to keep people invested. And probably the best place to mimic, to mirror, to learn from is Hollywood, is screenwriters. They can teach you a lot about what will make your copy keep people glued to the
1: page, said the California native. No, seriously, you're right. I agree with you. That might be one reason I've spent 30 years studying Hollywood, going to seminars, writing a screenplay which tanked, but I still learned a lot. Yeah, I'm totally agree with you. This is the book, The Protagonist Journey by Scott Myers, just came out about a month or two ago. I keep reading through it. It, It's kind of hard to just read through sequentially because it's so dense and there's so many light bulbs that go off really good book and yeah, really good place to go for ideas.
0: Nice. So we'll leave a link to the book in the show notes. If you want to get the show notes, head on over to copywriterspodcast.com. David, thanks again for a fantastic episode, man. And until next time we'll catch you later.
1: All right. See you later. Before we go, a quick question. Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on Garfinkelmedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to Garfinkelmedia.com and fill out the form. That's Garfinkelmedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriter's Podcast. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.